where do you go to preach from on Mother's Day that has not already been sort of exhausted? Well, I'll tell you, and we'll be there in a little while. We've got some things to do before we get there. But we are going to be in Proverbs 31 this morning. And the focus of what I'd like to talk about is going to be that word virtuous. And I want us to look at not what the world talks about. I read through some things this week, public polls. A lot of, and you can make a poll say what you want it to. But uh, in public polls, the question was asked, what makes a good mother? And, and here's, the, here's the thing. Here's the list of answers. They have a positive attitude. I could say some things with that one. It's good for a lady to have a positive attitude. For instance, I'm positive I have the meanest child that ever walked. <laughs> positive attitude. They exhibit creativity. They have the ability to inspire. They have a sense of loyalty. They have patience. They take responsibility. They have determination. And they're trustworthy. All of these are things that people, not from a Christian perspective necessarily, but just from an open public perspective, say that makes a good mother. I, at the same time, found a thing that, you know, we talk about mothers teaching their children. What about children teaching their mothers? Now, that's a beautiful song this morning, My Greatest Little Blessing. And I, you know, there's been times when I've wondered about that one. What are some things that children teach mothers? And so I, I wrote a few of those down that things that my mom learned from me. Now, not me. <laughs> a queen-size water bed holds enough water to fill a 2,000-square-foot house four inches deep. A three-year-old boy's voice is louder than 200 adults in a crowded restaurant. When you hear the toilet flush and the words, uh-oh, it's too late. <laughs> Brake fluid and Clorox make smoke, a lot of smoke. Certain Legos can pass through the digestive system. Play-Doh and microwave do not belong in the same sentence. Super glue is forever. And regardless of how much jello you put in a pool, you still can't walk on water. Marbles in a gas tank make a lot of noise when you're driving. My mother learned you probably do not want to know what that odor is. And I taught my mother that the spin cycle on the dryer does not cause an earthworm to be dizzy. <laughs> out of all those, someone is going to prove it out true about the mixing of Clorox and brake fluid. You wait and see what I'm telling you. Those are things maybe that mothers learn from us. And we teach them some crazy things. Motherhood's a great journey. Do you realize this, that the average mother is asked 300 questions a day? And you will be glad to know that girls ask questions a whole lot more frequently than boys. You know, it's one thing to know what the world expects. And listen, the world doesn't have high expectations of moms today. We have a young generation 
And I say this not in a funny way and not in a, not, not trying to, not, I'm not being critical, I'm not being funny. The days of hearing someone who has 54, 53 or 54 offspring in a family, those days are fleeting quickly. In my lifetime, the average children in a home, I remember when Mother's Day there would be 10, 12, 14 children in a home. I know, I personally know a lot of people that have 10 siblings. Thank the Lord I'm not one of those. Those days are past. Small family units now. And it's amazing that a woman will take responsibility to conceive a child but not bear the child. Praise God for the state of Georgia right now. I hope they don't give in. I hear there's a couple of other states who are taking strong stands on life. I'm not concerned today that our ladies know how to be a mother by the world's definition, by the world's example. But I am concerned that all of us understand our role in the family by what the Bible says. And we have in the last Mother's Days, we've talked about several mothers. Jochebed, Moses' mother, who showed consistency. God allowed her in her life to have three children that are recorded. And her children served the Lord in some fashion and form with their lives. God gave Jacobet a burning desire to see her, her children live for the Lord and serve the Lord. And He used her to save Moses' life. I, I gave illustration, I think it was in Sunday school, of handwritten mother's cards notes. And I, I read one this week where a little child wrote his Bible story in Sunday school had been on Moses. And so his Mother's Day card today that he'll give to his mother says this, Thanks a lot for not leaving me somewhere in a basket. That's what he picks up from the story. Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They went above and beyond what the government said. They saw God's hand with him. Hannah is another mother of Scripture. Hannah is a mother who teaches us about covenant. Remember, she stood outside of the temple and she prayed because she was barren. She was oppressed. She was being made fun of. She was being ridiculed because she had no children. The greatest desire of her heart was for a child, and she begged God. And God turned nature, but she had made a vow to God, a covenant with God. And when the child came to the certain age, Samuel was taken to the temple, and he lived his life out there. The Bible says that she would come, a year, she would come yearly to see him and to visit him. But that's all she had with him. Eunice displayed an unfeigned faith that became Timothy's faith. It was, her faith was contagious, complete. And Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus, commitment. So the woman of excellence, who is she? In Proverbs chapter 31, we'll stand in a moment and read a number of scriptures. But verse 1 says this, the words of King Limel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. 
And I really had never paid a lot of attention to verse 1. I can tell you a lot of things that Proverbs 31 says, but I never paid a lot of attention to verse 1. And these are things that his mother taught him. Would you stand with us this morning and let's pick up in Proverbs 31 and come to verse 10, if you would, please. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that she shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And listen to this listing of who she is. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She's like a merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good and her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. She clotheth in silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. And she maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in the time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness." She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Because of all that, her children rise up and call her blessed. And her husband also, he praiseth her. Many daughters have done valiantly, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruits of her hands. And let her own works praise her in the gates. Pray with us, please. Father, help us as we look together this morning at this virtuous woman. We pray that you would teach us. And teach us not to teach our ladies and our mothers this morning. But help us each to see what the scripture has to say. About not being approved by the world, but being approved by God. May we see truth and clarity from your word today. Use us to minister your word to bring a picture before the eyes of God's people. Forgive me of sin, remove selfish thoughts from me. And may the scripture be the pinpoint of the hour, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated if you would please. Proverbs addresses the subject of a great mom. All of Proverbs 31, verse 11, she's a trusted woman. Verse number 12, she does good. Verse number 13, she's industrious. 14, she finds her family's food. 15, she works late hours. 19 through 25, she's busy providing all the needed, necessary things of the family. She speaks wise words in verse 26. She cares for the poor in verse 20. She's not known to be an idle person in verse 27. And she is praised by her children and her husband in 28. And in the latter portion, in verse number 30, she fears God. The woman of excellence, who is she? Would you please keep that question before you as we travel through this passage of Scripture? We think of our ladies, we think of our mothers today. Most Christians, most, and let me say it this way, most people, not just Christians, agree that we're living in what is called a 
post-Christian era. Now that does not mean that the church is dead. And it does not mean that Christianity is dead. It does mean this. It does mean that in the last 200 years, people who have lived in the last 100 to 200 years, if they came back, the church would not have the same complexion that it did in the days of their life. I was thinking this week about my grandmothers on both mom and dad's side. My dad's mother passed away. I was nine years old, 1974. And I got to thinking what it would be like to take my grandmother out to eat. I was in a place this week and I thought, I sure would like to walk in this place with my granny. She would be astounded. Can you imagine how overcome by the sights and sounds of the current world those who passed away 40 and 50 years ago would be? Why, goodness gracious, every phone had a cord. And you were lucky if you didn't have a party line and had to wait your turn. We can go into a lot of things that have changed, but the downside of it is the church has changed and Christianity has changed. And this is, like it or not, this is known as a post-Christian era. We are having less influence on our culture today than the church at any other time. And that's truth. That includes morality, education, social action. And it could even include parenting. Secular humanism. Reasoning has taken place. Don't you love getting behind somebody in the line to pay out and they're reasoning with their children on things? Whatever happened to the setting of parameters, God's Word should not only shape our beliefs, it should, it should also affect and change our practices. The problem is that our minds have been overcome. You see, we, we are more apt to think the success of a mother is based on that poll I told you about than what the Scripture has to say this morning. The trend is that we're seeing churches, church folks, acknowledging the sufficiency. We're not seeing these people acknowledge the sufficiency of God as we have in the past. And our thinking is not being developed by this word, but by everything that comes along the path. And I'm not, I've never watched his show. I don't know what he talks about, but between Dr. Phil and Dr. Seuss and Dr. all the other things that have programs on now and books out now, even Christian people are building their beliefs based on what the secular world has to say. God's description of godly womanhood. He uses this word virtuous. If you take note of some things this morning, virtuous is talking about, yes, noble character. But it's also translated as this word, able. Virtuous, able. It's used eight times like that. It's also translated the word strength. Ten times, just like that. 
And the word valiant, we see the word valiant in the end of Proverbs 31. The virtuous woman is a valiant woman, and that's, that's mentioned some 40 times throughout the Scripture. It refers to moral strength, integrity, and efficiency. Virtuous. I want us to look this morning, I'm going to give you seven simple two-word pieces about this virtuous woman. Would you notice, first of all, her standing? We find that in verse number 10, her stand, 10 through 12. Her standing. First of all, her price. The virtuous woman refers to the woman that has the strength as an army. A person who is strong in character. A person that is strong in integrity. Proverbs 18 and verse 22 says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. The Bible talks about who can find a virtuous woman. Her price is above rubies. There's a rarity to that. And listen, don't be fearful. Don't be fearful of being in the minority. Somebody said the other day, we were talking about who the true minority in the United States is. Let me tell you this. One thing I believe is true is that we as Christians are in the minority. That's why our voices have to be heard. But don't be afraid of being in the minority. Notice what that verse says. A virtuous woman, her price is far above rubies. There's a rarity to that. Not just her price, but notice in verse 11, her perfection. The godly woman is trustworthy. She always has the best interest of those that she loves on her heart. Proverbs 19 and verse 14 House and riches are the inheritance of fathers. And a prudent wife is of the Lord. Ladies, if, you can, if I can help you to grasp anything today, to walk away from this room from, and to hold in your mind is this. The source of your strength, the source of your knowledge, the source of your wisdom, the source of your ability, needs not come in any other form of media And some of those things may have good things to them, a a touch of it. But let it all come from the Scripture. Because notice the verses have something in common. As we read, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, obtaineth favor with the Lord. Houses and riches are the inheritance of the fathers. A prudent wife is from the Lord. Your involvement with the Lord. In fact, just to be very honest with you, just recently, I was supposed to have had a, a uh, marriage reenactment, a renewing of the vows. And a few weeks ago, I had to contact the family and say, I, I'm not willing to do them. And I said, I want to give you my grounds for And I, I want to let you as the church know this. Marriage is a picture. Christ uses marriage as a picture of His relationship to the church. And when I go to Ephesians chapter 5 and it talks about the roles of people within the church and it tells the husbands this, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, be in submission unto your husband as unto the Lord. There's a lot to be said of it. We see her price. We see her perfection. We see in verse 12 her plan. This kind of woman is an asset. 
She's not a liability, and her husband and her family are going to do good because of her. Good comes from that, uh, the fact that she directly, uh, good is directly attributed to her. She supports and she encourages. Now, in the Old Testament, when God looked at all that he had created, I think this is sort of God's sense of humor, maybe. God created everything, and you know, you would have thought that he would have created someone for Adam right off the bat. He created everything else in twos. God looked at everything he created and said, hmm, that's good. That's good, that's good. Then he looked at man alone and said, oh, that's not good. If we leave it that way, if I leave it that way, Don Sumter will wear a black sock and a blue sock. (laughs) And his tie won't match anything either. Listen, God knew, men, let's be honest, God knew that we needed a completer. I didn't say competer. Complete. You know where marriages fail? It's when man and woman compete. They compete for the place in the house. Listen, there's plenty of room in the house for everybody. Given by God's rules and God's way of the roles of fathers and mothers, husbands and wives and children, he, wrote, he puts it out. He gives us our roles. Her price, her perfection, her plan. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. 1 Samuel chapter 25, Abigail And she did her best to please and to help her husband. But he was a fool. Because he wouldn't listen to her advice. Number one, her standing. Number two, her sacrifices. Her sacrifices. Verse 13, 14, 16, and 17. She gives of her talents. I think it's sort of interesting that one of her talents is shopping. And so ladies, you can use that with your husbands the next time you're... She went and bought a field. I just want to go buy a dress. She labors. She she shops. She keeps the home. And her family benefits from all of her talent. She is a giver of the abilities that God has graced her with. I think... God's version of a mother, God's blueprint of a mother is a mother who, like Peter in the New Testament when he said, such as I have. And that's what a mother does. She gives of her talents. What would our house be without the ceaseless and selfless labor of godly women who desire to be a virtuous woman? In verse 15 through verse 18, not just her talents, but she also offers her time. She tends to the needs of her children. She tends to the needs of her husband. And then it even speaks of her tending to the needs of others. She rises early. She works late. She takes care of the details. That's the virtuous woman. Her standing, her sacrifice. Number three, we find it in verse 19 through 25, and that's her service. She labors. Most, women, uh, most men and most children have no idea how much work it is for a mother. I, and, and I think sometimes moms ought to just go on strike. Listen, ladies, very carefully. I'm going to give you permission. 
No, not to go on strike. At least not in my house. <laughs> and maybe I'll not say it this way. Let me say it to men first, and I'll think about if I'm going to say it that way or not. Men, shame on you. If you have the thought that certain things are women's work. And what I was going to say, but I didn't. And women, if your husband thinks there's such thing as women's work, you ought to go on strike. God gave us marriage as a partnership. Now, I don't have dishpan hands, but I wash dishes. Because my wife told me to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, no, I'm lying. man came home from work one day and his wife, who was very expectant, and she had had a horrible day and delivery date was fairly close. And he came in the house after having worked his day out among other adults, looked around the house and things still thrown all over the place, out of place. He couldn't tell any difference in the house when he left in the morning. He got back after the afternoon. It looked the same. And he looked at her as she laid on the couch. And he said, what have you done today? Remember, she's expected. And she said, I made a lung. What'd you do? <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, it seems a little different. Her service, she labors. No such thing as woman's work. Verse number 20, she loves. The godly woman is moved by her compassion to make a difference in the lives of others. She has a heart for people. She sees to needs. I'll brag on my mother. And brag on my wife. I thank God tremendously for them. Because I, in my lifetime, I don't know that I've met women or been around women that have a heart like the two of these ladies have. With my relationship with my wife, oftentimes she sees needs that I do not see. And she reaches out in countless ways to help others. When my mom and dad were in Bible college, it was very lean times for them. We didn't really know it at the time. My mother made clothes. Not because it was in, but because it was necessary. I remember she used to make me, as a little kid, she used to make me ties. She made me a suit. We had missionaries over in our home often. We were in our home, 231 Hotter Lane, Highland Springs. Bobby and Kay Finch were having lunch with us. I could not have been more than 10, maybe 11 years old. Bobby and Kay, after you know dinner and me embarrassing mom and dad, 
they sat down to talk for a while, and Kay Finch began to talk about sewing and teaching the women there in her country to sew because of their needs. A long story short, I don't know that I ever saw my mother sew after that because her sewing machine went to Japan. She taught me what it was to give and not to give things that aren't needed but to give things that are meaningful to you. She loves. She labors. Her standing, her sacrifice, her service, her speech, verse 26. Out of the mouth proceed the issues of the heart. The virtuous woman guides her family and her children with her speech. Proverbs says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. A mother's tongue is gentle. Father will enter a room and demand sleep. Quit your crying and go to sleep. But a mother rubs the brow and whispers a song. She's gentle. The Bible talks about her having power, she has strength. Number five in verse 27 she's selfless, she watches. She keeps her eyes on those who have been given to her to love. She's looking. She's alert. She's attentive and to needs. She watches their lives to be sure what they have and what they need. She watches. She works. Her primary concern is in the needs that her needs of her family are met. Her standing, her sacrifice, her service, her speech, her selflessness. Number six, her satisfaction. Now we're not using, we're not talking about not valiant, but value. In any loving, properly functioning family, all the members recognize the value of one another. The children and her husband declare excellence. Notice verse number 28. Her children, her young ones, her children... Praise her. How long has it been? I'm going to ask all of us here in the room to consider this. How long has it been since we have expect, expressed our praise and our thanks? You know, we pack it into one day. Oh, I did that. Had a couple in the church one time. I made a statement. Men, you ought to tell your wives you love them. One man said, oh, I told her when we got married, I did. I said, well, it needs to be a little bit more than that. When's the last time that we expressed our thanks? Let me, let me tell you this. Today, it's expected. It's Mother's Day. But what about in October? What about in August? Her young ones praise her. Not, you know, a lot of times our conversations with our mothers, you know what it is? Our complaining. Making fun of. 
You know, it's amazing to me that how quickly my mother learned. Because when I was an older teenager, she wasn't all that smart. But when I hit my 30s and 40s, I thought, man, she's learning. I stand before you today and tell you this. She is an intelligent woman. Verse 28 and 29, not just her children rise up and call her blessed. But verse 28 and 29, her yoke fellow praises her. Her husband praises her. Ephesians 5, 26. Husbands, love your wives even as... Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ loved the church unconditionally, sacrificially. God did not give us our wives to dominate. And God did not men give us our wives to oppress. In 1 Peter chapter 3, men... You think, well, it's Mother's Day. I can tune out. I can think about what's happening this afternoon. Wrong. Tune it in. Amen. If you don't hear anything else all day today, hear this. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel. Let me stop there. And the feminist would stand and say, we're not weaker. It's not what it's saying. It is saying giving honor unto her as a weaker or fragile. You know, growing up in our house, there was something called the china cabinet. Those were set apart. There are certain things in your house that are that way. That's what he's saying. Say, give honor unto your wife as a weaker vessel, a fragile vessel. Here's what I have learned through my life about fragile things. They're valuable. How do you know that? Because I have broken some fragile things. Husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together. That doesn't mean there's the wife's team and the husband's team. Together. And as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now men, listen to this. That your prayers be not hindered. Men, if our relationships with our wife are not what they're supposed to be, don't bother praying. Again, giving honor unto the wife is a weaker vessel and is being heirs together the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. And then the last piece we find in verse 30 and 31, that's our secret. 
She despises compliment. Hers is not a labor to be, complete, to be complimented and lifted and praised. Hers is a labor of love. She deplores conceit. True beauty is not in the artificial adornment of hair and body. And she knows that beauty runs far deeper. My granny Lark used to say, beauty is only skin deep. But ugly runs to the bone. <laughs> hey, let's just be honest with each other. We're not who we were when we were 19. I get a little frustrated with women who are 60 trying to look 19. They may think it looks good. Now, I'm not saying throw it all to the wind, you know. I heard, I heard a preacher say this one time. I don't know that I would state it this way, so it's his fault. Every barn needs a little paint every now and then. You figure it out from there. But she, the virtuous woman comes to the place that she understands this. The external isn't as important. Uh, who is this woman? She despises compliments. She deplores conceit. And her secret is this. She's devoted to Christ. Because she's a woman that loves the Lord. Ladies, you can't love your husband like the Bible says unless you love the Lord. Men, you can't love your wives as the Bible says unless you love the Lord. Every one of us are children. I told you not long ago that Remy was, I was trying to help him with the concept that dad is my dad. And he said, no, he's pop. I said, but he's my dad. And he said, you're too old to have a dad. <laughs> and I'm trying to explain to him, it doesn't make, make any difference how old I am. He's my dad. And it doesn't matter if I'm 100 years old. And he said, you're not that old. He said, but you're old. Well, all of us in this room are children. We're a child to somebody. The virtuous woman. Let's, let, let's do something in this post-church, post-Christian generation. Let you and I return to what we know should be our guidelines. Let every one of our mothers and ladies look to Proverbs 31 and say, I want to be like her. Not some star. Not some person. Not some character. But I want to be like her. I will not forget sitting in a home with a family having a memorial service. And the dear lady saying, if there's anybody in my life that is Proverbs 31, it was my mama. I remember Judy saying that as we shared time with them and her loss.
Listen, let's be guided by God's word. You won't be the mother that you need to be and ought to be if you let the world guide you. But Christ, God has given us and preserved for us a word. Ladies, let me ask you, have you ever felt like you didn't know what you were doing? I'll say it as a father's standpoint. I look back and say, I blew that. We have the answers. Lord knows we have the questions. But God in His grace has given us the answer. If we want to be the people that God has us to be, look to His Word. Proverbs 31. The virtuous woman. The woman of great value. And it doesn't just stand and testify of her. This is what she did. So this is how I become that. I pray that that's our desires this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Now you and you alone know the spiritual needs of our lives. And you and you alone know if there's someone here today that needs to put their faith and trust in you. This has not been a salvation message, but a Christian living message. A character message, but it's been your word. And so would you work in our hearts and minds if there are children here today that may need to just go to mom and express praise and thanks. If there's husbands and wives here today that need to look back into the scripture and bring their relationship back in line with God's word over what the world teaches, may we make that commitment today. There's a husband here today who's not what he should be. We pray that you would bring deep conviction on each of us that we'd be what we ought to be and what you call us to be and what you equip us to be. There's a mother here today that is discouraged by her role of life. Would you, through your word, through your scripture, give her strength, give her fervency. We pray that she would see from God's word that she too has the opportunity in following scripture to be this virtuous woman of great value. Speak to our hearts as we stand. We sing in Jesus' name.